Hello and welcome to 10 Minutes on Ukraine, looking ahead from the Joint Public Issues Team. I'm Hannah Fares, one of the JPIT interns, and with me is Steve Hucklesby, Policy Advisor at JPIT. JPIT are releasing a briefing on the Russian invasion of Ukraine that aims to be a resource for reflection, discussion and action for our members. So today we're going to be thinking about some of the main questions people might still have about the war in Ukraine. Steve, a lot of people probably mm. picked up on the news recently about the mutiny by the Wagner forces. Now it seems that a peaceful resolution has been reached, but at the time there were a lot of stories sort of saying maybe this could be the end for Putin. What do you think it showed about Russia more generally and will it have any impact on the outcome of the war? Sure, it was stunning, wasn't it? This um, uh, group of 5,000 men marching on Moscow. Uh, that's shocking in any country uh, to have your army turn on your own countrymen. Planes were actually shot down. Um, in 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 that and people killed, it's extraordinary in the context of uh, uh, Russia with its sort of authoritarian uh, control. Um, in terms of your question, what does that mean? Um, I don't buy the it's only a matter of time until the Putin regime crumbles mm. uh, type Wishful type thinking. argument. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. I think so. He's shored up um, uh, the government since then. I think we need to build bear two things in mind. Firstly, that um, President Putin could be around for a long time yet. And secondly, that even if his government were to collapse, we can't know who would come and take over and whether they would have uh, a very different approach to the war in Ukraine. Um, there are some not very pleasant characters uh, waiting in the wings. Uh, so let's not be lulled into a false sense of security here. Mm, definitely. Thank you. And although this situation was widely covered in the news, both before and now again, there seems to have been a vastly reduced media interest in the war. In the UK last week, the front pages were all about the submarine disaster instead of Ukraine. Do you think there's now sort of a generalised lack of public interest in the war? And is it part of our role as Christians to keep having these discussions and ensure that we do keep Ukraine in our prayers and thoughts in spite of this war weariness that's developed? Well, I think that we must. And the suffering of uh, people in Ukraine is so intense. Um, it would be very sad uh, if we were just to, you know, see this as um, another headline um, or if it were to drop out of the headlines altogether. There is that danger, I think, um, if the war were to continue for another year, two years, three years, uh, that that might well happen. Um, in which case, quite possibly, the unity of the European Union and the United States um, uh, might well be tested. Now, some people might celebrate that. They might think that that would force Ukraine to the negotiating table, but I'm not so sure. Uh, I don't think that apathy is a good thing in any context. Uh, and I think that we need to be actively involved as citizens around um, how our government responds to this uh, conflict uh, and also in terms of our prayer and our support for uh, Ukrainians um, and Russians as well who are suffering as a result of this conflict. Definitely. So a big part of our government support is the military support that Ukraine's allies are providing. The United States by far provides the most support. In the first year of the conflict it was 71 billion euros as opposed to the UK's 9.7 billion. 
as we approach the US election next year and the West is all grappling with inflation and the rise in cost of living, mm. how do you think this military support might change and what would the impact of that be? Yeah, the figures that you quote there, what they mean is that uh, four years ago, the UK was providing three times as much to UK defence as it provided to, in total, to global international development. Um, now that's become much worse. We are now committing five times as much to defence as we are to uh, international development. A week ago, uh, Conservative peer, Zach Goldsmith resigned his position at the Foreign Office because he felt the government was not being serious on environment. When we hosted COP26 summit in Glasgow um, a couple of years back, um, we announced a package of uh, 11.6 billion pounds towards climate finance. But just very recently, the government has had to admit that it's unlikely to meet that target, and that's largely because of the reduced international aid budget. Yet at the same time this year, the government's committed um, an additional five billion over two years to the defense budget. So clearly, this comes down to a choice of where you uh, are going to spend your resources. And what we're seeing is a reducing amount of money going into the prevention of conflict, into international conflict mediation, uh, into building more stable countries. Uh, the budget for that is peanuts anyway, mm. and reducing, uh, while the amount we are spending on defence is increasing quite substantially. So even if you wanted to argue that, well, that's the reality in the context mm. in which war breaks out again in Europe, um, I have real concerns because I wouldn't want this imbalance to become the new normal. I think that the UK needs to step up um, and play its role in making um, Eastern Europe and other uh, parts of our world a more, more secure place. Mm, definitely. Some of us as Baptists and Methodists might also be thinking about our partner churches in both Ukraine and Russia, how they're doing and how we are engaging with them. Are you able to say a bit about that, Steve? Yeah, well, um, those two churches both have partners in both countries. Um, in Ukraine, the churches are um, struggling, uh, but they are doing enormous amounts of work to support people who are displaced in the country and to support communities that have been devastated. Uh, so they're making a huge contribution uh, locally. I think as we come to think about the future, there is going to be a role for churches um, across the border of Russia and Ukraine to try and address issues of peace and reconciliation in a fairly substantive way that begins with our four core fundamental values uh, as Christians that we share that's going to be difficult. A lot of people know about the, the rift that has taken place in the Orthodox community. Um, there have been tensions within other church communities as well. Uh, and it's vital that as Christians together, we can model uh, processes of reconciliation that then can speak to with some hope to the rest of the world. Thank you, Steve. And finally, the public briefing that we've released ends with this call to action and thinking through how, as individuals and church communities, we might respond to the ongoing fighting. Do you want to say a bit more about this if anyone listening wants to get involved? 
Yeah, um, I think we should be writing to our MPs um, at the right time on all of these things, but they're difficult questions, aren't they? Uh, so what we look to try to do in our briefing is we look at you know questions around how will the war end? What might be the UK's role? What's the role of churches in maintaining dialogue um, uh, across borders? Uh, what are the ethics of sanctions against Russia? Uh, what more should the UK be doing to support uh, Ukrainian families uh, in, in the UK uh, and those who are providing hosting uh, arrangements? So I do think that we need to think through these questions, consider them all quite thoughtfully before we respond to uh, MPs. But I've alluded already to you to some of the issues around spending, and I think that that is an issue for MPs of all parties, certainly for both um, Conservative and Labour parties uh, to take into account, uh, because um, Labour are certainly uh, not sorted out on this question uh, yet either. Uh, and I would like uh, us to be contributing much more to stability in places like uh, Eastern Europe, like Sudan and Cameroon um, and other conflicts around the world where uh, sadly so easily it is we, we are able to turn our faces and our ears away. Definitely. Well, thank you very much, Steve, and thank you for listening to 10 Minutes On from the Joint Public Issues team. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please do share it around. You can find out more about JPIT and find the public briefing that we've been talking about on our website, jpit.uk, jpit.uk.